Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Tara here with a special all-decade episode of the Blazer's Edge podcast. To help me out with the first all-decade episode of the season that we're going to do for the 50th anniversary, I've got Blazer's Edge editor Steve DeWald here. Steve, how's it going? Good. I'm, I'm happy it's Friday. I don't know when this is going to release, but I'm definitely ready for the weekend and ready for the holidays. Right on. And the Bl- Laker game tonight, right? Well, I mean, I'm... I, I look more forward right now to the Blazers games where teams don't have winning records, but, you know, it's always exciting when the Lakers come to town. <laughs> right on. We also have another special guest joining us today. He's the co-founder and executive director of Insight, which is an organization dedicated to unlocking the potential of people. Scott Hatley is also a huge Trailblazer fan. Scott, welcome to the show today. Hey, thank you so much. Glad to be here with you guys and- Chats of Blazers. Right on. So here's how we're going to do it. Um, First, we're going to get to know Scott a little bit, and then we're going to go through the uh, players that we have selected to be on our all 2010s decade team. But before we get into that, um, Scott, I'm wondering if you could just kind of introduce yourself and uh, tell tell us about how you became a basketball fan and especially like your uh, connection and uh, love for the Trailblazers. Yeah, no, most definitely. Um, yeah, so I'm a native Oregonian, fourth, fifth generation, something like that, uh, born and raised in the Portland area. And, you know, just really NBA basketball and Blazers has kind of been a part of my DNA since I existed. Uh, my grandparents could first come to uh, Portland after I was born back in 1979. And uh, they started getting tickets to the Blazer games. And they've had tickets pretty much ever since then. So as a byproduct of that, got to go to a lot of those games. And, and uh, you know, for me, it kind of became, I was one of those kids that would cry when the team lost back in the day. Uh, that's how into it I was. So, you know, I, I think just that connection and those memories for me of going to those games with my dad and we'd listen to courtside with, Steve Snapper Jones on the way to the game, stop and get sodas and peanuts and sneak them into the, the Coliseum at the time. And right on. So could you tell us a little bit about Insight and the work that you do at Insight? Yeah, absolutely. So we started Insight about 15 years ago, and it, it's geared toward really unlocking the potential of people and specifically people with disabilities and with various barriers um, that exist for being able to reach their dreams and pursue their uh, desires in life. And, you know, Insight came around as a way to really create expectation and empowerment. Uh, Myself, I've got a disability and uh, I use a power wheelchair, muscular dystrophy. And, you know, I kind of sound like I've got a Darth Vader mask on because I uh, got this BiPAP mask. And so, you know, we kind of wanted to create an environment where, you know, disability is kind of more of a, uh, you know, not an uncomfortable topic. So uh, you might be interested to know a little bit more about what are some of the programs that Insight does. Well, we've focused a lot on providing those tangible tools that people need to get an education, get a job, and be independent. And so our programs focus initially, we had started as an organization with a scholarship program. And uh, 
it was geared toward youth at that time, but it's expanded in that now we also provide uh, a curriculum that's geared toward transition students with barriers uh, that are focused on the key steps toward that transition. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, our education program. But, but uh, what we have focused a lot on is our employment program and our jobs fairs. And we will have done about 30 of those this year by the end of the uh, December. And uh, we've been able to serve about 3,300 individuals. Uh, and these have kind of gone up and down the uh, I-5 corridor. But the neat takeaway from the events is, you know, we're, the economy is in a relatively good spot right now. And so pretty much anybody that wants a job is able to find a job. But at the same time, there's still a lot of individuals with various barriers that just have made that job seeking a difficult thing. And so to hear their stories, be able to connect them with employers and help them find a job, which for many provides so much hope and purpose and those key things that we all have in our lives that we can point to and talk about that. If you don't have that, it's just, it's a, a lot harder. Uh, and so we have that event, but then we do these events called get ahead, which are also, uh, uh, kind of a subset of the job fair where it's additional skills and trainees or HR professionals will come. And then we uh, have our independence program, which is geared toward helping entrepreneurs start businesses. And then also uh, we have been a big focus on revenue generating activities current inside. And so one of those things we're launching for the new year is our activate program. And it's geared toward, uh, universal inclusion, intentional leadership, and having speakers that can help influence the culture of the workplace and influence, you know, having those conversations. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, around even disability, and you know, making it not a uncomfortable topic, uh, making it more of a normal population where uh, individuals have the opportunity to interact and uh, be able to ask those difficult questions or uncomfortable questions that maybe they need a little more detail on. So I guess it shapes up that we are doing quite a lot of different activities. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of things to do. Um, I wonder if I could uh, ask a question. Um, I noticed at the Moda Center, one of the things I love about being a Trailblazer fan, being a sports fan, is the way it brings a lot of people from a lot of different experiences, a lot of different cultures, uh, just brings a lot of people together to kind of rally around something together. When I'm at the Moda, I notice, uh, you know, people who use wheelchairs, both working there and also attending games and things like that. In the work that you do with Insight, um, what are some of the barriers that crop up that like everybody could be more aware of to make like, you know, attending events more inclusive? Well, I'll be honest. I think the Blazers do a pretty darn good job, uh, you know, catering to various needs. Uh, you know, and I, I think the Moda Center were fortunate and there's been a lot of pieces toward that, that it's really a pretty 
accessible venue for uh, wheelchair access specifically. Like there's a lot of seats at all different levels, uh, at least in my opinion. And, uh, you know, it seems like they're providing service for, uh, you know, more physical needs or people are aging that need a, a shuttle between the parking lot and their seat with wheelchair services. And, you know, I noticed now at games at the bottom for those with visual impairments, there's that little, uh, the captioning, which is pretty awesome. Um, I don't know that I could speak to some of the sensory needs that individuals might have. Uh, but it, you know, in my mind, uh, there are some probably things that could be approved upon, but I think, you know, the motor doing a fairly good job catering to the various needs. Um, but I just think, you know, typical courtesy that you would have for anybody, you know, no matter what their ability is kind of the, I would say the general mindset with, uh, you know, interacting with people and, you know, showing that hospitality. Well, that's, uh, that's good to know that, uh, you know, this, this organization that I, that I like so much and support seems to be making a, uh, a good effort in, in that department. And, uh, yeah, always looking for ways that, um, we can be more inclusive, uh, Hey, let's tell folks about the the basketball that y'all are raffling off. Oh, yeah. So we have this great opportunity. We've got a signed autograph team basketball from this year. Uh, uh, Blazers provided to us to be able to raffle off uh, for those who would like to not only get a cool team ball with some pretty awesome signatures like Davey Lillard and CJ McCollum and so many of our other favorite players from this year um so get a great basketball but also be able to support uh, the work we're doing and supporting those with barriers so we've got uh 15 raffle tickets and uh, the link i believe is available on our website at insight which is uh, www.incight.org and there should be a large icon there that will show you the picture of the basketball uh, to click on. Uh, but we are going to be drawing that raffle on December 16th at four o'clock. So definitely uh, I would encourage you to get tickets as soon as you can. Right on. And we'll definitely put a link to that in the podcast notes. And so people who want to can go straight there. Well, so are you guys ready to talk about your all-decade team? Absolutely. Yes, yes, I am. I I do want to point out that there was a, a qualifier for this, that it could not involve anybody from the current team, which made picking a point guard a very interesting uh, proposition. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> want to make it easy, guys. Come on. <laughs> you yeah, you achieved really, that goal. It's really made it kind of exciting. So um, my I gave super general instructions, which were basically uh, pick out an all-decade team. I didn't say whether it had to be the best team or if it had to be your favorite players or whatever. I was just like, pick out an all-decade team for the 2010s, but it can't include anybody on the current roster. So uh, let's start off by maybe kind of just doing super quick, like what your methodology was for choosing these, if you had one. Uh, Steve, do you want to start? Um, really, I just kind of 
balance it out with, you know, production on the court. And then just really wasn't a problem for guys this decade, but guys who were, you know, involved in the community or good locker room presence and, and really contribute to kind of that culture that we see in the team today, even though, you know, these guys aren't included, doesn't include guys on the current roster. So that that's real general. I mean, really, I, I did look at some numbers, but, but like I said, this, this decade is really, had a lot of standout individuals on the team, which is was been nice and, and kind of a change of pace with some of the, the more colorful characters we've had in the last you know fifty years of the Blazers' history. So I was kind of looking at this, and I it's a lot harder task than I thought it was going to be. Uh, there were so many great choices to choose from, but for the 2010s, I had kind of gone through all the different rosters over the last ten years and kind of tried to write down. So the players, some of them were ones that I think more were favorites of mine. Ones, I guess, were ones that I thought stood out as a little bit uh, like the better of the athletes on the teams. Um, some of them are just a little bit, they had more toughness. And so I wanted to just add them to my my list. But I guess I kind of went for more the favorite in some cases than the best. Yeah, mine were all 100% sentimental favorites, <laughs> which you will probably hear very quickly um, with my uh, very first pick. Uh, who wants to start off with their pick for point guard? So he, the my pick is Andre Miller. He just squeaked in. He had one season in this decade, uh, the second of his two years in Portland. Um, averaged 12.7 points per game, seven assists per game in that year. Um, as a total for that year, he had 560, 566 assists, which is tied for number 10 on the assist total for a single season on Portland's leaderboards, uh, tied with Clyde Drexler. That list is full of guys, mainly Terry Porter and Rod Strickland. So, uh, you know, this is the year after he had his kind of his super entertaining 50 point game. So that doesn't quite make the cut for the first consideration here, but really, I mean, this, we all know who this spot belongs to if we uh, include the today's roster. So kind of picking through those other guys, I went with Andre Miller. So I'll, I'll go, I'll jump in and go next because Andre Miller was definitely my pick. <laughs> um, that 2010 game or that 52 point game happened. I thought uh, January 30th, 2010. So it squeaked in. Well, I'm not counting the 2009, 2010 season <laughs> into this decade. I so. am because I wanted to get that oh, Andre okay. Miller game in. All right. The All right. Point game in. Were you, when you uh, added up his assists, were you able to see how many of those were for alley oops? That's the most important stat. <laughs> I did not. I may have to go back and try to find all the highlights uh, to count that. Yeah. So for me, Andre Miller, total sentimental uh, favorite. I don't have much to add from what you've said. How about you, Scott? Did you have a different pick or did you also? Yes, I I have a different pick. I really did consider Andre Miller, uh, but I picked Steve Blake. (gasps) He was my second choice. (laughs) Yeah. I just thought he was consistent for what we needed. And it kind of leads into some of the other picks that I have. I thought he would be the perfect point guard for the rest of the the cast on that on the team. Um, and so I I just and he was a good guy, good locker room presence. Um, so I picked him. 
Love that pick. Yeah, he was uh, my second. My other, my my two B was Mo Williams. Um, oh yes. Mostly because my very favorite like sports photo, which actually there's a SB Nation thing on Twitter going on right now where people are sharing their very favorite uh, sports photos of the decade. And there's one of uh, Mo Williams basically trying to poke out Andre or uh, uh, Andrew Bogut's eyes. <laughs> and they're in the oh. middle of this big fight and he's like Mo's grabbing at his face. And um, Andrew Bogut is like has his hand like through Mo Williams's shirt and there's this big scrum and uh so yeah just initiating a fight with andrew bogut like just shot mo williams right into my uh pantheon of laser legends um but yeah andre miller was who i went with for point guard so who did y'all go with for shooting guard i i think this would be i would be surprised if this isn't universal with all three of us for this but i i went wesley matthews for my shooting guard pick um five seasons in Portland this last decade um, was nearly a 40% three point shooter when he was here. Great for floor spacing, great leader really kind of before Lillard took the reins as kind of that leading locker room voice. A lot of that was Wesley Matthews and leading that defense. And I mean, really one of the most painful moments and it speaks to Wesley Matthews profile is w- when his, his Achilles injury in the 2014, 15 season, I, I really feel like that Blazers team was a title contender uh, that the Warriors team wasn't quite what they became later on in the decade. And who knows what would have happened if, if Wesley stayed healthy as that season met its conclusion. Yep. I'm with you. I picked the iron man. Um, just love that guy. That was kind of the saddest blazer kind of to the left of the last decade, especially for me. Well, since he did technically play in the 2010s. I did choose Brandon Roy, um, but oh. Wesley Matthews, um, you know, for his body of work in the decade was, of course, much longer. Um, so I can like I totally go with Wesley Matthews, but I just wanted to make sure we got a mention of Brandon Roy in there because uh, even though he only played. He played, let's see, 47 games that last season in Portland, but he did step foot on the court. So I'm going to go with that as my sentimental pick for shooting. Well, guard. And also, I mean, really want to, I mean, we, we mentioned the, one of the saddest moments, I think one of my fondest memories, I mean, I think it's common for everybody is his, uh, his farewell, kind of his farewell game in the playoffs against Dallas. I think that moment still gives me goosebumps when I watch the highlights of that. Oh, so, absolutely. Ex- excellent choice. Do you guys remember where you were when you watched that game? Yeah, absolutely. I was, in I was working on the road. I was in Reno, Nevada, in a hotel, and I woke up. Or I, I didn't wake up because it was still during the like afternoon. But I definitely had the front desk called on me for yelling from my room. So <laughs> I definitely remember where I was. Well, you might be a little jealous, but I was actually at that game <gasps> watching it unfold. Oh, it was so, so awesome! One of the best moments that I think I've ever gave or moment I've been at. Oh, so good. Yeah, I was I was at Trackdown Pizza in Eugene watching it. But yeah, that's definitely something that um, if you were around and a fan of those days that you've got your story about about that game. All right. So we did the number one, number two. How about number three? Who do y'all have for small forward? Um, I went with the immortal Nick Batum. Uh, 
arrived in, in Portland the decade earlier, uh, 2008, was, was just a young kid when he showed up here. And I think Portland just kind of got to see him grow up and mature into this guy who, who could do a little bit of everything. He never really put up huge numbers in any one area, but he did everything for Portland. You know, picked up the toughest defensive assignments, could carry the ball, kind of just did everything and and really was fun to watch him grow up in Portland. And uh, you know, I, I'm still hopeful that someday he'll he'll make his way back before he retires. How about you, Scott? So I had been thinking and I've got my backup but I was almost going to put Roy at the uh, small forward. Ah. But I guess he's kind of more of a guard. But my first thought was, well, if you're at small forward, I'd put Roy there. But my backup would be Nick Batum. Because, you know, Nick just loved uh, Nicola. Um, Didn't always love the inconsistency at time, but he brought so much to the team. So that would be my, my backup to Roy. So one of the things that I learned was I was doing this exercise. I used a basketball reference for the rosters and uh, did probably what you guys did and, you know, looked at the roster for every single single year. And one of the things that really stood out to me was how few people who are, like, identified as small forwards have come through Portland in this decade. It's, like, definitely the one that has the smallest amount of um, people listed on my basketball reference list. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily like, you know, guys float between like you were saying, Scott, like, you know, between playing different positions and everything. But I just thought it was interesting that that was by far uh, had the fewest uh, players coming through here. So that's just all to say I had a really hard time because none of them really stood out to me as like, oh, yeah. Um, But somebody who I really enjoyed watching for the brief time that he was here and for whom we can thank for, um, you know, helping us get the best franchise player we've ever had uh, is that's Gerald Wallace. Um, I, I just really enjoyed when he played here. He just played like he would just flew around everywhere and he just I really just liked his game and maybe it's because Dan has been talking on the podcast about um, I think he's been saying kind of kind of like Nazir Little reminds him a little bit of him and I so I've had a little bit of Gerald Wallace on my mind Uh, but he would be my he would be my pick for the small forward anybody have any arguments with that no that's a good pick yeah that's a a solid pick he brought so much energy especially that first season he came I can still remember the the Gerald Wallace chance at the motor center. Yeah. Also, also underrated about Gerald Wallace. He had the best voice to listen to in interviews, like the deep, deepest, raspiest voice I think I've ever heard from a player. So uh, always, always enjoyable to listen to him interview. That's awesome. I'm glad you brought up the chance, Scott. I totally remember Gerald Wallace. Yeah. And then, no, exactly. then also Marcus Camby was another one that yes. was fun, but the, the thing is, is Damian Lillard is really hard to chant. So, like, I keep saying we yeah. need a we need a, a a good nickname for Damian Lillard that we can chant that rolls off our tongues more. Because, like, mellow, you know, that that has a yeah. good cadence to it. But Damian Lillard, like, we'll be there till, like, next Tuesday if we start. That, that we can just chant. go MVP, MVP. <laughs> that's what everybody keeps telling me. So I think that's probably I just need to, like, give up trying to come up with a, a nickname and just totally go with MVP. <laughs> okay. This next one was really hard for me. 
power forward, but it was hard for me for a different reason because I had like so many power forwards. Uh, Steve, who was your ch- ch- choice for power forward? Um, I, I went with LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, four time, four all-star games with Portland in the past decade. Um, just all time looking at the leaderboard. He's number four in Portland for games played all time. He's the rebounding leader. He's number four all time in blocks and number three in points. Um, yes, he didn't, didn't leave in the, in the happiest of terms. I think he didn't do himself a favor by saying some of the things he said before he went to San Antonio, but but really, time kind of heals, and and really, he was one of the most dominant players in Portland's history, and it's tough to make a list with that that doesn't include him. Yeah, but I'd echo that. I picked the L trade for number four. Uh, he just has had too much of an impact during this decade. We have on the franchise to not be on that list. So, Scott, how surprised were you when he left? Um, I guess I wasn't completely surprised. I've kind of always, in my mind, thought of LaMarcus as not really the leader type. Like, he wants to have a presence, but didn't want to necessarily be the leader, where I believe Damian Lillard wants to be the leader and relishes that and takes, and, you know, and takes care of that responsibility. And so I always felt like, well... Like, he's such a great talent. There's so much more potential that he can reach. And I still don't even know if he's reached the potential he really has as a player. Okay, so this question is for both of you guys with regards to LaMarcus. The first time he came back, did you boo him? Now, be honest. Uh, I'm, I, uh, I was not at that game, but I, I, w- I will admit that if I was, I probably would have booed. I, I, was, I, was, I was pretty bitter at that time. I don't think I booed him like I did Raymond Felton. <laughs> but definitely wasn't like I wanted uh, the Blazers to beat the Spurs, obviously. <laughs> I booed him with all my heart the very first like quarter that he played back in Portland. And after that, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I loved LaMarcus way too much to do this. So I was like, I got it out of my system. I felt, I felt like it was fair for me to just get it out of my system. And then after that, now, like every time he comes back, I cheer for him. Not like every time he has the ball, but like when they introduce him and stuff. So I, I was crushed, but I got over it quickly. So what I learned about choosing power forwards is I have a type and that type is power forwards. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, uh, Scott, you probably don't know this, but Al Farouk Aminu is like one of my all-time favorites uh, for just a variety of reasons. Mostly because I just he loved the chaos that he created on court. Um, but then I also loved Lamarcus. I also right now am super fond of Scal, who I know I can't choose, but he also happens to be another power forward. And I loved Lo- Noah Vonley while he was here. So, yeah. um, like. I just love power forwards. I should be a Knicks fan this year, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I'm going I'm go, I'm gonna go with Lamarcus for all the reasons that you guys just said, because like of you know his longevity. He was here for quite a long time, um, and just you know he. My thing with Lamarcus was always like like you said, Scott. Like he doesn't seem like he's necessarily the guy who wants to be like that's out in front verbal leader. But for a while, he just kind of got stuck with that role and he did the very best that he could. You know, it, it was going to be Roy 
and uh, Odin and Lamarcus, and they were going to, you know, take us into the promised land. And when that didn't happen and Lamarcus was the only one left, I feel like he did everything that he could to uh, help the franchise. And for that, I will always appreciate him. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, our uh, final regular roster position center. Now, here's here's a fun fact. When I, you know, looked at everybody who had played the uh, the different positions, the Blazers have by far had more centers on their roster than any other position. A lot of them, sure, for like half a year or less, <laughs> but they have had a lot of centers on their roster. So, who did you guys go with for favorite center? I, I think this was I, power forwards were the hardest for you. I think center was the hardest for me. Um, I, I think I do like you. I have a type, and it's uh, it's the guys who do the dirty work. Um, so I just, as a personality and someone I think who instantly meshed with the city, I went with Robin Lopez. I, I the guy was a treasure when he was here. Uh, it was two seasons. That first season he was here. It it was probably one of the most exciting seasons I can remember. Uh, as an adult, uh, they were so good to start that year. Um, really, he he that 2013-14 season, he only finished behind Damian Lillard for win shares on the team, uh, which is surprising that he finished in front of LaMarcus Aldridge. And really, the defense that Stotts uses to this day was built around Robin Lopez, that ice defense where it's the, the center dropping to the rim and and really that translates to the success that Yusuf Nurkic has had in this system. So uh, he's the gift that keeps on giving, and his ongoing feud with, with NBA mascots as a fellow person who doesn't care for mascots, he will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, so I think that's a very good choice. My grandpa always called Lopez the fuzzy-haired guy. Um, but I actually went with something different. I considered Lopez, and he had, this guy just played – with uh, just in the uh, the decade, just barely, but I picked uh, Joel the Thriller Prisbilla, uh-huh. and I could not resist not picking Prisbilla. I just I loved his approach to the game there, just how he just would not back down. Like I still have the Tom Petty song in my head every time you know he would like step up to someone and they would play that at the Moda Center, but uh, yeah, I just. I, I just thought he worked hard and was not afraid to just get in there and throw his body around it. You know, you got to have that on your team. I'm looking at a signed picture of Joel Persbilla right now. And he <laughs> was very close to my first choice. Um, I cheated a little bit with my center uh, because for most of his uh, career with the Blazers he actually kind of played power forward and that is Ed Davis um you know he was playing alongside uh Kamen and then Nurkic and Plumlee you know then he finally you know became a full-time center as the backup um but you know Ed Davis was just and like nothing about him stands out on paper uh but on the court he just like 
just was riveting to me. Like when he first came to the team, I used to say it looked like he was going after rebounds the way a guy would go after a spider on his wife's head because like he just like was lightning quick. Like, Oh no, I got to get that first. I got to get there first. I got to get there first. Like he just had these amazing reflexes uh, to just like wriggle his way up in there. And I just loved watching Ed Davis rebound. So he is my choice for the, uh, the center for the all-decade team. Interesting, we all chose differently for the center. Yeah, good point. The one position, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, who? So, Steve, recap uh, who you've got on as your starting five. So, my starting five is Andre Miller at point guard, Wesley Matthews at shooting guard, Nick Batum at small forward, Lamarcus Aldridge at power forward, and at center, I have Robin Lopez. How about you, Scott? So Steve Blake at point guard, Wes Matthews at shooting guard, and uh, Batum at the small forward, Aldridge at power forward, and Prisbilla at the center. Oh, I miss Prisbilla. I was just thinking about him the other night. I can't remember why, but um, okay. Now, I also – oh, and mine were Andre Miller, Brandon Roy, Gerald Wallace, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Ed Davis. And then I also told you guys, uh, you know, you could have a six-man or honorable mentions. So who did we not talk about that you want to add? So so like I, I said, and you've already mentioned him as your center pick, Tara, was – Ed Davis was my sixth man. Um only started 12 games in Portland. I think you kind of covered what he brought to the team. And I think his, his friendship with Damian Lillard, I, I think, really was one of uh, the hardest departures I think I've Damian Lillard has dealt with. I mean, that was something he talked about extensively. So he definitely had a, a special place in Dame's heart and in the city's heart, really, I think. Um, other other guys that, that didn't come up, I mean, just briefly, I, Chris Kamen, I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I mean, he was a, he was a yeah. professional. He was goofy. Uh, the story of it was kind of the year after everybody had left. He was the only veteran on the team that was, you know, on a non-rookie deal. Uh, well, I guess Ed Davis would have been there too. But he uh, basically had a menu where the younger players could pick out their Christmas gifts. And he and like it was just various items on there. One of my favorite stories. Um, the other guy, two guys that didn't come up that I, I considered. I mean, it was for a half season. But Ennis Cantor, I think, will always have a place in Portland's history, I think, just because of how successful that run was and the absence of Yusuf Nurkic. I, I think some of his stuff can be cheesy and hokey, but I, I think he was, uh, he was someone that I, I'll always remember his time in Portland. And then really before his contract extension, uh, I, I think he was a victim of how much money he made and, and the level of output he had, but I always liked Alan Crabb. Um, he was a guy that, you know, he made a bunch of money and, and probably was overpaid, but that, you know, that's no fault of his own. I mean, you're going to sign that contract if you're the player, but I, I always enjoy what he did. He carved a, carved a role out on this team as a pick and, uh, was someone that Stotts trusted at a young age, which is, is rare. How about you, Scott? So, uh, yeah, you, uh, or see, those were all kind of ones I considered, but, uh, the one I went with was Patty Mills actually mm. as number six. I kind of was thinking, well, if I've got Wes Matthews on the team, like let's bring back the three goggles. <laughs> and so I kind of went more sentimental and went with Patty Mills. Pat- 
Patty Mills is also somebody that I considered for my point guard as well. Um, my my sixth man is going to be Chief Al Farouk Aminu. Always have a special spot in my heart. I love all of our six men choices though because they really uh, kind of round out uh, who the who the like kind of the personality of the trailblazers it's been a fun decade you kind of alluded to it at the beginning steve like this has been this has been a a a pretty fun decade and i don't know if it's just because you know of my my age and how much i've been watching the team this year compared to other years i mean i guess my other big uh time that i I look most fondly on is you know those 90s teams with clyde and terry porter um do you guys have different in terms of like other uh, groups that you kind of consider sort of defining of who the trailblazers are to you? Yeah, I would agree with you. A lot of the nineties that was, I guess I grew up at that time where, you know, I was kind of coming of age as a fan, but also as an individual and just really bonded with that blazers team, you know, Porter, Drexler, Kersey, Buck Williams, Duckworth, uh, uncle Cliffy, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always kind of, as I think back, wonder what if uh, Arvidas Sabonis had come earlier, what might have happened? Not that I don't love Duckworth and all of his contributions and all that, but just like, oh, I just wonder. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes me, uh, yeah, anyways. <laughs> That's a good what if. How about you, Steve? I, I think, the, I mean, the, the late 80s, early 90s teams are – or obviously have a special place in everybody's heart. I was I was a little young. My my coming of age team was uh, really just kind of the team I really identified with and I really loved was the just pre Jailblazers squad: Scotty Pippen, Steve Smith, Greg Anthony, Damian Stoudemire, Damon Stoudemire, uh, Arvita Sabonis, obviously, um, and, and really Brian Grant has always been kind of a guy I've identified with as kind of my fan favorite and one of my favorite blazers ever and still really involved with the community here and uh and rasheed wallace obviously and i think that that was kind of my team i it didn't have the happiest ending and and like really i mean i i i mean scott mentioned it i i was a lot older and still cried at the result of the 2000 western (laughs) conference finals so i uh I, that team was uh, very close to my heart, and uh, I, I always look back at that kind of era and 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 remember a lot of good things and try to not forget the one bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. You're talking about the game that that ended at the end of the third quarter. That's how it all went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody keeps talking about how the Blazers lost that one. I'm like, what are you talking about? It ended in the third quarter. That's it. It's over. <laughs> Well, you guys, we have covered a lot of ground, and I don't know if you guys were just watching your phones, but it just came across that David Fisdale has been fired by the Knicks. So time for us to all go get on ESPN and find out what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, take that for data. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you guys both for joining me today and going through this exercise. Um, Scott, do you want to tell folks how they can find out more about Insight? Absolutely. Uh, Of course, we've got a website www.incight.org but you can also find us on Twitter at, at Insight or Instagram Insight and of course we're also on Facebook as well 
Right on. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was uh, great to get to know you a little bit and hear what your choices were. Steve, why don't you tell folks how they can find you? Um, always on Blazer's Edge, uh, posting probably more than I should. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Steve D Hoops. Um, seriously, I will have the link when to the raffle when this comes out. Uh, when this podcast comes out, click on it. It's fifteen dollars. It goes to a great cause. It's a very cool prize. Um, take a few minutes to sign up for it. It's a great, great thing for the holidays. If you do win, and and like I said, if even if you don't win, it goes to an excellent cause. So so please check that out. All right, and you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. You can find the Blazers Edge podcast on any place where you get your Blazers Edge or any place where you get your podcast. Find Blazers Edge, blazersedge.com, at Blazers Edge, and all that good stuff. Thanks again to you guys for joining me, and we will check y'all later.